You filled your belly. I couldn't eat another thing. I'm absolutely stuffed. Now fill your brain with lightning knowledge. What can I do to speed the whole thing up, doctor? This is Lightning Lunch, a full hour of lightning talk with lightninginsider.com's Eric Erlinson. Did you see the memo about this? On Lightning Power Play. Good afternoon and welcome to this renamed version of Lightning Lunch. We'll call it Quarantine Radio here on Lightning Power Play. I am Eric Erlinson, your host from lightninginsider.com. And joining me as well is Greg Linelli from Lightning Power Play Live as we try and keep you oh, entertained and on top of things around the world of the NHL and uh, try and figure out what to make of this crazy, wacky world we are now in on a day-to-day basis, and uh, we'll do that. We'll bring in Greg and say, uh, Greg, good afternoon. Uh, how are you holding up uh, over the weekend? Holding up, E, holding up. I think that's probably the correct phrase, right? We're hold up as, yeah. uh, as we sit here. And, I mean, you know, it's just you drive yourself crazy, first off, watching all of this news, but you can't escape it, right? Even when yeah. you go on Twitter, there are people that are just – talking about what's going on over in Europe, talking about what's going on in the States. Then you read about the different grocery stores that are running low on everything. And you really, you don't know what to make of it, but what you do know is that everybody is suffering in some capacity. Obviously some more than others, but it's very rare to see something hit everybody and everything really comes to a standstill. Yeah. It's pretty incredible. It, it, it really is. And, uh, you know, me and my wife ventured off to, to uh, our local Publix the other day. And as you would imagine, the paper aisle was pretty much wiped out. And uh, now people are making runs on water as if the water in your sink is uh, going to disappear right. or something. So, I, I mean, this is just it's just a time to understand that we all have to take care of each other. And by taking care of each other, that means looking out for everybody around you and everybody you know and everybody you can and at the same time, keeping your distance from them so we can get through this. And we will get through this. It's just now a question of how, when. And I fear for that when I see pictures over the weekend of places like Boston and uh, what was going on at O'Hare uh, Airport as everybody was coming back from Europe and seeing so many people in close proximity to each other. Uh, hopefully that doesn't uh, uh, continue and that we continue to understand what's at stake. And that way we can all get back to hockey sooner. Yeah. And I saw some tweets from people back home uh, where I uh, grew up in Pittsburgh and they were still doing St. Patty's Day um, parades. And I'm thinking, just use common sense. Use common sense, folks. I think that's kind of where we are right now. I mean, if part of the process here to make this virus flatten a bit, yep. if that means we've got to stay basically in our houses outside of emergencies or to your point, going to the supermarket for the next couple of weeks. And I think we have to at least do that to see what type of impact this virus has had already. Cause I, I still think we don't know. And probably a lot of the sports leagues are looking at the same thing. I mean, I think it's going to determine when they have an idea to get their leagues back in play is, you know, let's wait a couple of weeks here, and if there are more cases and we really don't have a control over this thing, then, you know, maybe the delay is going to be prolonged just a bit more. Yeah, and and we certainly learned that as we try and keep up the date, and, you know, we've told you many times that this is not a day-by-day thing. Sometimes this is hour by hour, and, uh, you know, when we talked on Friday, we still weren't sure. There was talk of players 
uh, at least in the NHL, stay home for at least seven days and then re-examine, potentially open up some sort of like mini training camps. And, and that's where things kind of stood as we signed off on Friday. And we show up here on Monday, and it's a completely different world in that aspect because it was a directive that went out from the league through the NHLPA that players are now free. Uh, they were told to stay in their home cities. They are now free to go return home, wherever home may be, if they choose to. Uh, make sure that they do self-quarantine for at least seven days during that period. Of course, continue uh, working out. But uh, here's, here's the key thing, Greg, as we know the CDC last night recommended that for eight weeks – no gatherings of more than 50 people uh, are, I don't want to say not allowed, but they're, they're being told not to have any of those type of activities. If that's the case, right. eight weeks that we're talking about 60 days, which means, and the league used this number, they said they're hoping to be able to open up some of these little mini camps within 45 days. That's a long time as we kind of sit is. back and take all that in. You there? Playing. Oh, and oh, I think that's why the question we have to ask ourselves is, if that's the case, is it even in the best interest of the player? Intensity type of tournament, and you have a basically a month or two off, and what is the training like in between? I think that's the other question. What is the training yeah. going to be like You know, in between – when these players are able to come back. I mean, some are going to be working out in their home, basically, but they're give players to get, quote-unquote, back into shape. And once you do get back into shape somewhat, now you're going into uh, playoff hockey. Now everybody will be on the same playing field from that standpoint, but we know how intense things can get. So when you say something like that and you're just, you know, reading reading things there, when when I hear things like that, then I start to say, I'm not sure they come back and play this year. I, I think you certainly have to have that in your mind, um, especially in, in the NHL because the NHL is so gate-driven, and you wonder even if they did come back without fans in the stands, how would that affect the business side? Because uh, health is foremost in everybody's mind, but uh, the health of the business is also right up there in terms of what are things going to look like on the other side, especially for some of these smaller teams uh, in, in the league, and if you don't have games and you don't have gate coming in, um, you know, how is that going to look next year? And, and I know, you know, the salary cap has been brought up and all that situations on, on what it might look like come next season. Uh, so you wonder, uh, will they do everything in their power to squeeze in at least something, you know, and then we saw, or at least I saw something floating around about this potential that when they do come back, just jump into a 24-team sort of playoff system. Um, you know, where the top 12 teams in each conference would go or, or the, maybe the top 20, something like that. Uh, so there, at least there are ideas being around. Uh, this is not saying right now that the league is not coming back to conclude the 2019-2020 season, but there are certain logistics involved that make it feel like this is going to be a lot more difficult than we would imagine when we talked on Friday. Yeah, and we obviously don't have the league's books. We're only speculating, and it's probably – I don't want to say – not smart to, you know, speculate on things like that. But I, I think a lot of people have been talking about this. Is the league strong enough where today, you know, you lose that gate money, playoffs, teams, certain teams are 
okay heading into next year. There may have to be some cuts. The salary cap may have to go lower. You know, I think that yeah. was probably one of the things that was discussed a bit. But you always, uh, to me, I'm always fascinated by that, E, about uh, the gates and the amount of money teams depend on when it comes to playoffs. And if you don't have that, even in the regular season, and you're you're ripped off of 10 games because of, of the lockdown, how much does that impact you in the off season, and how much does that impact you for next year as well? Yeah, especially when we're going to talk specifically about the Lightning here. We know the cap crunch that they're going to be in for next year. The projections that came out from the Board of Governors meeting earlier this month suggested the cap was going up. Um, where does it go now? Do you go straight off of hockey-related revenue? Do you uh, continue as was, expecting that the revenues are going to be uh, recovered and recouped by next year. No, who knows? Maybe being without it for this long, and not just hockey. We all know that the sports world itself is shut down. Maybe people come back even stronger and even hungrier, and maybe that boosts it. And of course, these are unknowns that we don't uh, have answers for. Uh, but I think that possibility is there. I, I think we're all going to be hungry. That's why, you know, I mentioned to you on Friday that I think the sports teams, in particular, were going to fight to be the first ones to get back. Who was going to be able to clear themselves first? Uh, all bets are off now with the CDC recommendation uh, of eight weeks. But um, I, I think that they're going to try and do everything they can to at least give some semblance of normalcy to try and keep the business on track so they can help not just this year, but next year as well. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, it got me thinking, reading Brian Burns and um, Joe Smith from The Athletic with, you know, Alex Kalorn, who was quoted uh, in his article about, you know, how this is just really a situation where you're not concerned right now with, with playing, you want to make sure everybody's safe and, and okay. And, you know, it does it does hit us in, in some capacity. We cover this, Teamy. You know, is that the last time that, you know, we're going to talk about Alex Klorn as the Tampa Bay Lightning player? Yeah. Um, you know, we were talking off air on Friday. You know, Rick Peckham is supposed to retire at the end of the year. Is You know, when was his last game? And, you know, these things you don't expect to be talking about right now, but then your mind starts to wonder a bit. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of the unknown, and I think that's what's the scariest part uh, about all of this uh, for all of us. Uh, so many people involved and in, in not knowing what's on the other side. And, uh, you know, I think about, like, my brother who's in the hospitality business, and he relies on tips. And, you know, where where's that going to lead him down the future? Uh, my understanding is the hotel that he works at is going to be shut down starting tomorrow. So, you know, so he has an unknown certain future. But, um, yeah, lot, lots of unknown. Uh, and, and I want to bring this up with you as to, uh, as well, Greg, that um, a lot of people want to ask him about Steven Stamkos because we didn't see him. Obviously, he had the surgery a couple of weeks ago. Or actually, two weeks from today was when the surgery was. So now we were in a four- to six-week window for his potential recovery. And, um, you know, I've got sources telling me that he is uh, he's doing really, uh, really well, uh, that there was some talk that he could have been back uh, at least in the first round, they were going to try and accelerate some of his rehab. But now that all this has come through, that uh, they're going to take it slow with him. Uh, they're going to make sure that he is ready to go whenever this does resume, whether that is uh, at some point in May or looking towards September and the resumption of training camps. Uh, we'll have to kind of keep an ear, ear out for that. But uh, for those who have been asking about Steven Stamkos, I can tell you he is doing well, uh, and he's he's going to continue doing his rehab at home, and that's where the slowdown process is. Uh, I don't believe he's going to be doing too much work with the trainers except for via phone calls and uh, maybe some FaceTime. Well, that's good to hear because I know a lot of people obviously were concerned about that, and I think we had speculated about this last week, E, that you know, could this delay when they do resume, if they do resume play, 
could the Lightning be one of the teams that benefit the most from this because of guys like Stammer, who's been banged up, and even to a lesser extent, a guy like Victor Hedman, having two of your horses really healthy, ready to go? Well, there's no doubt, especially with the Stamco situation. And, and again, my understanding on Victor Hedman is that he was expected to be fine. We certainly saw him take part in the morning skate on Tuesday last week in Toronto. That kind of gave you an indication that uh, he wasn't going to miss much time. But uh, there's no doubt that this extended time off, if the team does come back this year, if the league does come back at some point this year, that you'll have at least a pretty healthy and strong Steven Stamkos for whatever might lie ahead, but uh, I think as we look around the league, I think no team might benefit from this more than Colorado. If you look at the injuries that they were dealing yeah. with, um, you know, most specifically with Nathan McKinnon, I know Kale McCarr played, but he's been banged up, and Landis has been out, and, you know, so they've had a, a big run on injuries as well. But, but no doubt, no doubt that this team, uh, when and if the league comes back, and let's just change that to when the league comes back, uh, Steven Stamkos should be ready to go. Coming up on the show today at 1240, 1240-ish, we're going to talk to Brian Engblom, former defenseman in the league and, of course, Sun Sports analyst, none better in the business. We'll get his thoughts on what's happening right now. And, you know, as a, a former player, what would he be doing in a situation like this? So many questions to ask and really so many uh, answers that um, we're just – we're not sure of right now, and I, I think Brian's a good person, obviously, to talk to. Also, too, coming up in just a little bit, Patrick Williams. He covers the AHL for NHL.com and Elite Prospects, but he, it's interesting. You know, this affects not only the NHL, but the AHL, the ECHL. It affects employees who work for these leagues, and a lot of them right now are going through some tough times. No doubt. Uh, the ECHL in particular, you know, they had paused their season and they came out um, last night actually and officially canceled the rest of their year. So there will be no playoffs, um, you know, no uh, no champion of the ECHL. And the players down there are being told that they're being paid for the rest of this week. And that's it. And, you know, I, I think I saw one comment that, what you know, what do these players do? I think this is actually from a minor league baseball player, but I think the ECHL players fall into the same boat. That, yeah. you know, they're being told to stay in shape, be ready to go, do what you have to do. But at the same time, now these guys are going to have to go out and find jobs. You know, I mean, right. the ECHL salaries, they're not much. You know, these guys aren't, aren't playing for big bucks. You know, and they're not uh, – there's relationships with NHL teams, but most of them aren't paid, you know, by the NHL like a lot of the AHL players are. And, you know, then you look at what's going over on in Europe, and every league, every professional league over in Europe has ended their season. The KHL is being defiant. Uh, as usual, uh, even though they've had two teams now pull out and forfeit their series in the second round of their playoffs. Uh, but every every European league is shut down for the rest of the year. Uh, no playoffs for them as well. And that's a lot of there's a lot of North American players over there in Europe. So uh, just such ripple, ripple effects everywhere. And that includes even us here covering the team and those like Pat Patrick, who uh, cover the league as well. Everybody's affected. And it's uh, it's pretty amazing. The the. Um the salaries and how these guys get paid during times like this always fascinates me because you're starting to see a lot of players and organizations come forth and say, you know, we're going to take care of the part-time employees right now, and that's very commendable. But, you know, I've already seen a bunch of tweets from people who work in the AHL about, you know, not sure where their paycheck's going to come from and, you know, players that aren't making six figures. What do they do in a situation like that? Do NHL teams help in any capacity their ECHL? franchises in any way. I'm, I'm always kind of curious how that um, trickle-down effect uh, applies to everybody involved, and maybe Patrick can shed some light on that. 
Yeah, it's it's uh, again, it's a scary situation for everybody, and um, it's just uh, you know really really concerning on on many many levels. All right, let's go ahead and take a break right now. Uh, you're listening to Quarantine Radio here on Lightning Power Play. I am Eric Rollinson. He is Greg Lanelli. Stick around. We're going to talk with Patrick Williams when we come back right after this. That's all. Don't you know what this is? This is Lightning Lunch. I don't care. Oh, I wouldn't do that. I really wouldn't. A full hour of lightning talk on Lightning Power Play. Always goes wrong when we come to the dessert. Mm. Always. That's right. It's a special edition of Lightning Lunch. Greg Linnelli along with Eric Erlinson. We go till 1 o'clock. If you want to hit us up on Twitter, you can at Bolts Radio. At Eric underscore Erlinson, at Greg Linnelli, talking about, well, the coronavirus. What does this mean for everybody involved? And a guy that's uh, right in the middle of things at the uh, the AHL level, covering that league for a couple of different sites, NHL.com and Elite Prospects. He joins me every Monday on my show, Lightning Power Play Live. But uh, good stuff all the way around with this guy. It's Patrick Williams joining us here on the show. And, Patrick, it's um, – you know, we think the NHL and how it affects everybody there at that level, but this really does have a trickle-down effect to leagues that aren't as solid financially as the National Hockey League, meaning the AHL, and even the East Coast League. This is um, having its impact on everybody, isn't it? Absolutely. Uh, you know, as uh, obviously as considerable an effect as it has, as it has on the NHL, um, there is that TV money that comes in if you play. Uh, the AHL doesn't really have any such thing. It's almost exclusively a league uh, driven by uh, attendance and driven by uh, corporate sponsorships. You know, every ad that you see on the boards, somebody went out and sold that ad. And um, any sort of uncertainty uh, really comes in to impact that. And uh, and the other thing is just there's a lot less uh, margin for error. I mean, they're all but, you know, maybe a handful of teams in this league uh, are any – sitting on any real big pile of money right so um you, you don't have the same uh, ability to, to wait things out to say you know to, to ride right through so um there's a ton of uh factors that start to come into play uh if you're an american hockey league team and you're uh, you know this is a competitive business in the best of times you're competing against all sorts of things other sports uh, but you're also competing against staying at home uh watching uh, tv uh playing around on your uh, your smartphone, things like that. Uh, so to get people to come out uh, to the rink, you know, especially in the wintertime, is a challenge. Uh, and that's without uh, all this going on around you. So uh, the AHL right now is in a very difficult spot. Patrick, it's Eric. Uh, thanks for coming on the show today. Ha- have you heard anything specific about maybe some NHL teams helping out the AHL affiliates outside of uh, making sure that the players under contract are still being paid? Yeah, well, you know, about 20 of the 31 teams right now are, in fact, directly owned by the NHL. Uh, so, uh, for the most part, those things, uh, uh, I don't want to say take care of themselves, but they're under the uh, the operation of the NHL club. Uh, the problem that where you start to get into is those other 11 teams that are <clears throat> independently owned and operated and uh, uh, those owners are all uh, certainly well off and they're, 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 they're uh not uh, hard up for cash, but uh, they're not uh, Mark Cuban level owners, mm-hmm. let's say. And uh, uh, so um, they don't necessarily have the same leeway and the same flexibility to be able to really ride things out. So 
Um, I think the NHL is helping where, where it can, but the NHL, uh, they have their own problems as well. So um, to some extent, uh, uh, there's a little bit of uh, every, everybody on their own. And uh, I think the biggest thing for everybody, uh, especially at the American Hockey League level, is just the level of uncertainty. You're not sure, is this a month-long thing? Is this two months? Is this six months? Uh, does this go into next season? Uh, where does this go exactly? So um, it makes it really difficult to plan. I mean, you can only plan so many contingencies uh, you know, when you have so many uh, factors that are uncertain. So, I think that's where they're at right now, and uh, they're just uh, really trying to feel their way through it. There's no real uh, playbook here. There's no comparable. Uh, Maybe September 11th was the closest thing just in terms of a uh, type of disruption, but but even that doesn't have uh, necessarily uh, that parallel. So uh, that's where I think uh, the situation is, but uh, they're having a conference call later this afternoon. Uh, with the executive committee, and I think uh, that's where they're going to try to really uh, flush out a lot more details of how, if at all, they want to proceed. Patrick Williams from NHL.com and Elite Prospects joins us here on Lightning Power Play. Greg Lanelli along with Eric Erlinson hosting this show for you. Um, Patrick, I'm curious, and we always talk about the NHL and the gates, the revenue that these teams get uh, from playoff games. What what roughly do you think that number typically is for AHL teams that are able to host a playoff game? How significant is that in their budgeting and revenue throughout the year? And sometimes when there is a disaster that does strike any league, you, you kind of reevaluate how you can do things better. Is there anything you think from a positive perspective that the American Hockey League can do and change things up uh, once we're all – past this virus and maybe they can do things better to sustain something as awful as this, or is it just one of those things where you really can't? Well, that's the interesting thing. Uh, their playoff uh, uh, situation had been uh, kind of a real uh, difficult spot for them over the years because uh, this is a lead that relies a lot on families, on uh, group sales, uh, things like that. And the, and the nature of the playoffs is that it's scheduled on short notice and uh, sometimes at weird times of the year uh, and in a lot of places as the weather is improving. So uh, the first round or two traditionally was uh, very poorly attended. Um, they made, they've made they made a lot of changes in the recent years in terms of their marketing and just the way they're, uh, they structure the playoff format to uh, try to offset some of that uh, attendance problem. And uh, they've had, I would say, fairly uh, considerable success doing that. Uh, but uh, where you get in the AHL, you don't really start to get your really good crowds until the third round or the final. Uh, so um, in some ways, there's not a huge incentive, uh, you know, from a financial standpoint necessarily to, to you know, keep the season going. And uh, uh, really the most profitable part of the season is this last uh, month of the regular season where uh, – second half you have the playoff races uh attendance tends to pick up it in general just with the nfl being done and and other things like that so uh you're losing your your, your most lucrative part of the season and going right into the playoffs which at least for the first round or two is probably your le- least lucrative so uh you know if you start i've heard anywhere uh, in terms of uh, the overall amount of revenue the playoffs are at roughly 10 to 15 percent uh, depending on how you how you slice it how you uh characterize it but uh um really this is this time of the year these march early april games are where they're losing uh 
biggest amount of money. Uh, this is the time where uh, it's the real make or break, uh, you know, especially if you're a struggling club attendance wise, um, you don't necessarily have uh, uh, the same incentive. Uh, if you miss this time uh, to, to start the playoffs and, and go through some of those lean times. So um, I think that that's something that's a factor that uh, these teams have to weigh. And uh, you know, uh, you may say one thing publicly, but I, uh, I'm certain behind closed doors, uh, there's a lot of really hard uh, and very calculated, uh, you know, analysis going on here. You know what this really uh, might look like financially for them. Patrick, last one for me, and it's it's kind of a two-parter. I know you follow a lot of what goes on over in the European leagues. We've seen uh-huh. basically all of them have to cancel their leagues. There's a lot of North American players over there. Uh, first of all, what could that mean for the AHL? Uh, if they come back this year, even if they don't come back. Uh, and second part is, why is the KHL so stubborn? <laughs> well, <laughs> that's a great existential question of the hockey world. <laughs> uh, the KHL tends to very much do their own thing uh, in general. Um, and that's sort of the, the general answer of things. Um, and the other, the more complicated answer right now is, uh, well, follow the oil markets at all right now um they're plummeting and uh, prices are plummeting and, and there's a lot of oil money in the khl so those owners now are a little bit of a, a point of pressure now to uh, bring in as much revenue as you can and uh you know to some extent in russia uh, at least up until now uh and you know that country being so vast uh, a lot of areas haven't been hit very hard yet but two teams have already pulled out uh, so you're, you know, you're down to your final eight and now you're uh, missing two teams that, uh, you know, are saying, you know, uh, it was Helsinki and the team in Kazakhstan. They're like, well, you know, we're done. Uh, it's not worth it. And, uh, we're pulling out. So there's a lot of strife over there right now. You know, and as far as for players, uh, you know, I think, uh, it's going to be very interesting to see how this affects the free agent markets. Uh, uh Europe and, uh, the American hockey league, uh, compete for a lot of the same talents. Uh, and if there's a lot of uncertainty in Europe right now, uh, both financially and just uh, health-wise, uh, that's one factor. And then uh, certainly uh, with the way the Russian ruble has fallen, uh, this going to be another issue. If you're a player and you're kind of on the fence about going to Russia in the first place, and now uh, the KHL doesn't have that uh, that financial advantage, uh, I think uh, it's going to probably mean that a lot of players are really going to look at staying closer to home uh, for next season, you know, assuming everything starts to calm down here. But uh, I think uh, right now it's just uh, a lot of uncertainty, and uh, I think there will be sort of a sense, uh, at least for some players, that uh, you kind of want to hunker down and maybe not uh, uh, venture as far, you know, geographically next year. Maybe uh, you want to, you know, sort of like almost uh, – Stay close to home, stay close to family and friends, uh, and not, uh, you know, be, you know, you know, on the other side of the globe, uh, you know, with, with, you know, after having been through something like this. Yeah, it's definitely strange days indeed, uh, Patrick. Uh, I can't thank you enough for giving us some of your time here. Uh, good luck to you. Be uh, healthy. Be well. Same to you and your family. And uh, we'll talk again hopefully sometime soon. Thank you. You too. All right, Thanks, Patrick. It's uh, Patrick Williams from Elite Prospects and NHL.com. He covers the AHL. Always a little fascinating to get some of the uh, lower-level leagues' perspective on what goes in because those are the ones you 
as as Patrick mentioned, there's no Mark Cubans down their own AHL franchises. Now, I will say this, Syracuse in particular, because of the affiliation, they are one of the independently owned teams um, that Patrick had mentioned, and uh, he, he does a really fantastic job with that Syracuse team. So I'd imagine, at least from a, a, a franchise development situation, I'd, I'd probably, I would imagine that the Syracuse Crunch are probably in good shape with Howard, but uh, we'll have to see Howard Dolgan, the owner there. So, All right, let's go ahead and take a break. Uh, you are listening to a Lightning Lunch Quarantine radio version here on Lightning Power Play. I am Eric Rollinson. He is Greg Lanelli. We'll be back right after this. Oh, we've got more lightning talk for you. Unbelievable. Get a heaping helping of hockey with Lightning Lunch. It's your window to wait game. On Lightning Power Play. Welcome back to this quarantine version of Lightning Lunch here on Lightning Power Play. I am Eric Erlinson alongside Greg Lanelli from Lightning Power Play Live. We're planning on being here for you throughout this with uh, hopefully some good content, some good entertainment. Uh, some good hockey talk, and who knows where else it can go. And and before we get to something I'm doing on the website, Greg, I, I have to tell you, I don't know how it's been at your house, uh, but yeah. I think my wife is ready to kick me out already. You blame her? No, I do not. <laughs> what have you What have you been doing? Uh, well, or not doing, I should say. Well, I I I cleaned the shower. I did clean the shower, and she Ooh. spent most of Saturday cleaning out my 14 uh, year old's room as uh, he can't find his wallet. So it's kind of a dual sort of um, project there, cleaning out the room and also trying to look for his wallet at the same time. Meanwhile, I was on the couch trying to do other things and uh, it's a, a place that I'm typically at. But, um, you know, we've been trying to play games. We played some games with the kids and uh, that's always uh, entertaining in a lot of ways when we get uh, together around the table and playing cards. But, uh, you know, it's, it's very, very uh, – it's only three days in. That's what I worry about. <laughs> yeah, that's um – my goodness, she just might have you do some errands or go for long walks or something. Well, she's already talked about cleaning the roof, so Ooh. you know the 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 honey do list is starting <laughs> starting to come out. So yeah, uh, it looks like that's gonna have to be be done. But um, you know, at least at least I'll have uh, the radio show to kind of break up the day for me a little bit. See, I've got a four year old now, who's spring break, and then the following week they're off, and I'm assuming they're gonna be off. More than that, yep. you know, what do you do with a four a four year old and a five month old? Pray. Um, yeah, you can only watch Frozen. Fro- hey, well, hey, Frozen Two's on Disney Plus now. Yeah. We already bought that though. <laughs> <laughs> you can only watch it so many. You times. know we did. You know we did. We started ordering like Legos. You yeah. know, uh, Disney Princess Legos that we can start putting together. I mean, it's basically like a little mini version of homeschooling right now. I think. Yeah. And it's kind of where we are. Yeah, it, it is. Uh, fortunately, my kids are a little bit older, so they can entertain themselves um, some. You know, they can uh, be on the computer. They can watch YouTube. They can be on their phones. My son's soccer coach has a quite the uh, workout regiment uh, for the boys, for my youngest, while the team is off to try and keep them in, in shape. Uh, maybe I should join him in that. Uh, certainly couldn't hurt my aspects of it. But, but I can tell you, one other thing I have been doing, Greg, and I caught up with this over the weekend was uh, – Thanks to NHL 20 from EA Sports, uh, yeah. I'm trying to simulate the remaining games on the schedule and and see where things go in, in terms of the EA simulation that they have. I, I'm all caught up through the weekend's games. Uh, a little different. Uh, I don't have control over the injuries because uh, first game in, Nikita Kucherov was out until the middle of May. <laughs> 
So, you know, if you want to talk about trends that were continuing uh, for this team, so already without Steven Samkos, now without Nikita Kucherov, the penalty kill hasn't been very good, but they've been winning games. I was going to say, has Kalorn hit 30 yet? Uh, let's see, he had a two-goal game against Philadelphia, so he's he's creeping up there. He's creeping up. They had, they had a game against Detroit where they fell behind 3-0. Uh, Cedric Paquette scored late in the second to make a 3-1, and the Lightning scored two extra attacker goals in the final minute to tie the game to at least get a, a point out of it as they lost um, in the uh, in the shootout. So, uh, but exciting times. It's 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 something to kind of help fill the gap. I've got something up on my website that's gonna try and keep track of it. It's not behind a paywall, so it's free for anybody to go to. If you just go to LightningInsider.com, at, at least it'll give us a little something to read and kind of keep an eye on here as. Uh, we still don't know what's on the other side of all of this. You wonder how many people were doing that E2 to well, keep the time, you know. I, I've seen Hockey News is, is is doing the playing out the season day by day. So the Hockey News is doing it. Uh, our friend Daniel over in Norway, um, I don't know if he's listening, but he still keeps track of stuff for sure. He, he had thought about doing something like this. So I, I, I've seen some other people do it, and it's certainly not uh, necessarily uh, in cue with what would happen during the regular season, but – it's certainly something to kind of keep an eye on. And, look, we all need something to kind of keep us occupied and entertained at times uh, right now With because uh, as Doug sent in a question, what do we do with no sports? Yeah, you, you do a lot of reading. You <laughs> probably a lot of meditation. <laughs> <laughs> I, I saw the one popular tweet that had been on, on social media was, I've been sitting next to a wonderful person on my couch, and um, <laughs> she seems really nice. And, you know, oh, by the way, it's my wife. <laughs> yeah, I saw that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's pretty good. That's that's, that's kind of where we're at. Uh, yeah. By the way, just to kind of keep people up to date, there had been a rumor that uh, one of the Arizona players, uh, defenseman Aaron Ness, might have been tested positive for the coronavirus. His agent just sent out a tweet uh, in the last half hour that he tested negative for coronavirus. So to the best of our knowledge, there's still no NHL player that has tested. And I've had this question asked as well. Uh, have the Lightning been tested because of the situation? They obviously were falling around the Utah Jazz, and uh, Rudy Gobert was the first player in the NBA that kind of triggered all of this when he tested positive for it. Uh, to the best of my knowledge, players have not been tested for Tampa Bay. We saw uh, a memo or an answer from Bill Daly over the weekend who stated that unless players start to show symptoms, there's no reason to test them at this time. So, uh, But, again, still no positive test in the NHL. But I, I would have to think the odds are, Greg, that at some point somebody will. That'll change. And then the, just the question becomes how many. Yep. And then from there, yeah, again, the precautions everybody's taking now, that's what they're hoping minimizes the spread of the virus Absolutely. two, three weeks from now. And I think that's the hope. Absolutely, and I did see that a uh, New York Yankees minor leaguer tested positive. I don't know, I don't remember where I saw that, but if that's the case, that gives us our first baseball player who has tested positive. Remember, the Yankees at one point had voted to stay in Tampa and continue to work out as a group. I, I'm sure that has changed now since then. But uh, All right, let's go ahead and take another break. We want to talk to Brian Engblom uh, on the other side of this break, so stick around. Uh, I'm Eric Arlinson. He is Greg Linelli, and this is Lightning Lunch, the quarantine version. We'll be back right after this. Can't get enough lightning talk? Log on to lightninginsider.com for more puck pontification. Oh, if, 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 uh, if, if, uh, if, if, yeah, if we, if. oh, if, oh, look, it's quite simple. More lightning lunch with Eric Erlinson on Lightning Power Play. 
All right, welcome back to Lightning Lunch here on Lightning Power Play Quarantine Radio with myself and Greg Linelli uh, with us. And also, we're pleased right now to be joined by Fox Sports Sun analyst, Stanley Cup champion, former player, Brian Engblom. Uh, Brian, uh, how, how did you handle uh, your first weekend of, uh, we'll call it self-quarantine? Yeah, pretty much hanging around the house, not doing a whole lot. Um, still, I'm currently sweeping out my garage, so that tells you something. Um, <laughs> the honey-do list is probably uh, pretty long. Well, you know, it's not, yeah, it's not even that. Just, you know, trying to find something to keep busy. I can only sit still in one spot for a while. And after, you know, day after day, um, I just got to, you know, you just kind of walk around and go, okay, I'll do that now. Yeah, I'll, I'll do that now. So... It's uh, it's definitely strange when you're staying close to home as often as we all have to right now. There's no doubt we're all experiencing it for the first time, and uh, it is definitely strange. But uh, did you see there is an email circulating around? I think about four of my friends gave it to me from different angles, and it, it is quite humorous. And it's it's definitely a guy thing. It, it says. Uh, the, the sports nut who says there was a, a woman sitting on my couch. Apparently, she's my wife. She seems quite nice. <laughs> I, I got a kick out of that. And for some women, it's all, uh-huh, yes, well, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's strange days indeed. And, yeah, we, we were just discussing it, actually, before we before we went into the break about uh, about how that uh, uh, how we're all handling all that stuff, but uh, Brian, before we bring Greg in, um, from a player standpoint, uh, what what must be going through their minds right now with the uncertainty of what's ahead of all of us? Uh, staying in shape, that would be their first priority. Of course, they're wondering, like everybody else, like what do we do? You know, the guys who have families and kids and school and all that, they're dealing with dealing with that how do we you know the kids are not gone most of the day to school uh what do we do with that um everybody is a little bit different you know single guys are looking at it differently um but on top of that they're going yeah how do we stay in shape um they're not they're told not to go to any public gyms uh so you got to do it at home so i have to improvise and and uh, perhaps some of them are going out and buying i don't know <laughs> be interested to find out maybe they're going to buy a few things they haven't had in their house for a while because Usually it's all at, you know, at the arena and uh, they're working out there um, or at their gyms at home in the summer. Um, so interesting. Uh, but that certainly is a priority um, because hopefully, you know, we do get you know, back at this sometime in, in later weeks um, and they're going to want to hit the ground running. The NHL is going to go, yeah, yeah, we understand, uh, you know, that players haven't skated in a while, but like tough sort of these are unique circumstances i can't imagine them allowing them more than a couple of days you know to get up and running so that means yeah you better hopefully you haven't lost too much and and you've done some road work and uh you're you're ready to go uh and work out work off the rust as you go along brian Engblom joins us here on lightning power play brian gary bettman has said that you know, when they do come back and play, whenever that is, that all options are on the table in terms of maybe what the playoffs would look like. Have you found yourself just kind of thinking about maybe how you would try and, and do something like that when play resumes? You know, some have suggested maybe there's a play-in game with the four closest teams next to that last wild card spot. 
how would you look at that? There's no book to go back and, and read on how to right. approach something like this, but I, I think it's interesting. It's probably now's the time to be creative and, and try something new if For you sure. wanted to. What would you, yeah. what would you do? Um, Greg, I, I think that, that, uh, that makes a lot of sense. You'd have to pick, um, uh, a number and somebody's always going to be on the wrong side of that number. So uh, what I what I mean is the the wild card, whatever the last last wild card point total is now. Is say if you're within two points of it or three points of it, you have to pick that number, and then say yeah okay we'll give you a we'll give you a one shot sort of round robin uh, thing or or one shot deal to see if you can get in or not, um, and then establish and then go from there. A lot of this obviously depends on. I'm thinking the NHL is working from uh, the end backwards. In other words, in the summer, like what's the point of ridiculousness or, I mean, business wise that we just can't go past. Is it middle of July? Is it end of July? I mean, what is it? So then you have to decide that end point first and then work backwards. And if you do decide that you're going to go that late, then obviously free agency and the draft and out of, you know down, down, down the line, um, all of that gets affected big time. And then does it affect training camp? So I think you have to start with you have teams of people working on that, and then yeah, then you figure out how much time do we have to work with theoretically if we start May first, if we start May fifteenth, if we start June first, then you have to figure those number of days. So you can do it all you want, but. Uh, until you know what the end date is, where you absolutely will not be playing hockey anymore and you'll just go on to the next season, um, I, I don't know. But I could see some, you know, some kind of one-game shot in order to qualify for, for uh, those couple of teams that are within a, a maybe two points, three points for me at the most. But I think even two points within the wild card, depending on – I haven't looked at the games, to be honest with you. You know, if you have a game at hand, then obviously that has to – that has to count in your favor. Say you're two points out and you have a game in hand. Theoretically, you could be tied for that wild card spot. So you see, um, some kind of formula like that. I've certainly worked out all the all the details of anything like that, but uh, makes sense to me. And then, what are you going to do after that? Are you going to be able to play all the seven game series? That's doubtful to me. It may go back to way back in the day when it was a best of three in the first round. Um, that used to happen. Uh, I could see that being a certainly a likely scenario as well. Um, past that, uh, I don't, I don't have a lot of answers for you. Well, what do you think the, the, I mean, is there a possibility and from a player standpoint, again, trying to get inside your mind as a player when you did play, if we know it's probably a minimum two months, we're looking at, at May it, under this eight week situation, the CDC has brought out, would it be possible and feasible if, Everything is pushed back. The league start of the next year is pushed back until we get this season completed. Even if that goes into late July, would the players still be okay because of this extended break they're having right now, coming back and starting business as usual when September comes around for training camp for the 2021 season? Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I, again, you know, whatever that drop date is affects when you're going to come back. But, I mean, we've been – We've been arguing and complaining for years that, you know, the league starts too late now. Yeah. <laughs> now we're talking about having to push next year back a little bit, obviously extenuating circumstances that are serious, um, but not, ho- not habit-forming, I hope. 
you know, everybody wants to have training camps a little earlier and maybe start the season. Well, I shouldn't say everybody, but I'm one of them. Start the season at least a week, you know, a week earlier end of September, ideally. So if you have to push it back, then you're going to compress it even more. Then you're, uh, pr- you're pretty much going to have to take the break out of it, you know, the, the five-day break, mm-hmm. uh, take that window out of it in order to try to get back to normal, which means the wear and tear again next year is going to be horrific mm-hmm. on a lot of players. So Player Association has to help pass all this stuff. Uh, that's, you know, that. That is understandable because it's their bodies that we're talking about here. Um, but somewhere along the line, you've got to try and squeeze it back into the time frame that it was. I could see extending it a little bit and gassing the, you know, the, uh, the break. Um, but you're right. The fact that they have a couple of months off now and it's spread out, uh, that's the argument you know, in favor of doing that. So I could see that working in my mind, yes. Brian, does we have in a lot of ways no way knowing, but I mean, in some ways, does this time off help a team a little bit like the Lightning with Stamkos's injury and maybe his availability to come back right away if the playoffs do start, and maybe even guys off the ice in Coleman and Goodrow to allow them to get settled off the ice, which may translate to better success on the ice once play does resume. Yeah, sure. I I think that, you know, there there are positives and negatives for everything. Um, you can take, again, you know, the break in January that everybody gets. There are positives and negatives for every team when they go into just that couple of days. Here we're talking a couple of months. So, yeah, the healing process, absolutely. Guys will feel refreshed, even the ones who weren't hurt, the ones that, that are injured. Uh, that, you know, speaks for itself. It gives a guy a chance to get back and get even with everybody else again and perhaps feel almost completely fresh and, and, uh, um, and, and back to square one, be able to contribute again. So that's a, a huge thing, no doubt. For the, for the players who've been traded, sure, it helps them settle down, get used to life in the new city, and even under the extenuating circumstances, uh, which are terrible, um, at least it's, it, it starts to feel like home because – that's the other thing that you know people don't always you know think enough about when you get traded during the season it's it's hellish you know for the for the family it's really tough on the wife and kids if you have them especially if they're in school the adjustments that have to go on on the fly are uh, remarkable and to be able to have to settle down and have dad home to help with that is is a huge plus so um, all those things uh, certainly are positive yeah, the other side of it is that, you know, teams that felt like, boy, we were really playing good and everything was, you know, hot, let's keep going, you know, because there certainly is a momentum feel at this time of year. You lose that, and it's a restart. And just like, the, you know, the January break, you teams that go in hot come out cold, and you have the opposite effect too. So, it, But it's even for everybody, and it's like, okay, this is the start button, let's go, and we'll see where the chips fall. Brian Engblom from Fox Sports Sun joins us here on this quarantine version of Lightning Lunch. And, Brian, we saw, in terms of a modified training camp, we saw this in 12-13 with the 48-game shortened season where basically the training camps were, were they nine days or something like that before the season started, no preseason. Is that something that's even feasible during 
you know, as we kind of look at that thought process, because there's only so much the players can do at home to keep themselves in shape, because we know in the summer, these guys usually go to gyms, they have personal trainers they work out with, they have certain equipment that they have to work out, they probably don't have a lot of that at home, so how good a shape can they keep themselves in and look at the possibility of maybe just a week to get ready for, you know, real games? Yeah, I know, that's that's certainly the issue. Um, it's keeping an edge on your conditioning as best you can but hockey conditioning is extremely unique um it's different than running um it's it's your skating style it's your stride then of course you put the stick in your hand and and handling the puck and passing and shooting and getting used to you the speed of the game what's flowing around you that's something that you you play into it you ask any player who's been hurt for any any amount of time probably over a week even and they get back in, and you feel like you've just been thrown into a washing machine that's in mid-cycle, and you're you're just getting whipped around there and trying to you know get into the flow of it. Good luck with that, and you know um, it's it's difficult for sure. You'll have everybody starting out in the same situation, um, and will there be a lot of rust on the game? Yeah, absolutely, uh, because of all those factors that that I just mentioned. But again, time is of the essence, and I'm guessing that yeah, it wouldn't be a very long, you know, mini training camp because they just they just wouldn't have the time. Uh, so you get up, you you put the skates on, and you practice for a couple of days, and they say, okay, you've got three, four days, whatever it is, maybe five days. Um, I, I, I'm guessing it wouldn't be much more than that, maybe five days, and just go. Let's we we, we got to get this thing done, um, especially if you're going to have a play-in round and everything else. Uh, there's a lot of uh, stuff to do. So um, that just is what it is. These guys are really good. There's no doubt. In the summer, they skate a lot. Some skate more than others before they go to camp. Some just, you know, work out dry land a ton and only skate a little bit. Others will skate, you know, in a normal summer, might start skating the beginning of July. It depends on, you know, did you finish was your season done at the end of the regular season in, you know, second, uh, first week of April, or did you finish in June? You know, there's a huge difference there yeah. on what guys do in the off season, how they train, how, how much heavy weight they do, how much rest they took before they started, um, you know, doing anything at all, you know, just decompress a little bit for the two teams that go to the finals. Th- that is a big factor. You just decompress for a couple of weeks. You just have to give your cha- body and your mind, a chance to to catch up so yeah so many factors but that you know would all be pretty much even you know for everybody in this case scenario if we have a restart and i've got to think too brian not only on the ice but off the ice players probably a little bit more do you think aware of how things go in terms of revenue sharing and gate revenue and you know certainly the owners are looking at this and any playoff games that are yeah. uh, regular season games sure. that they miss that's a huge blow to them and this obviously could affect the salary cap next year i'm sure everybody's a, a little bit more aware of how this all works economically aren't they yeah there, there's no doubt i mean every every company that you know is looking at anything near what you know the nhl and the nba and sports teams are doing the same thing but it's you can't you, you can't figure out the end game until you get the first couple of pieces rolling, right? You have to get the engine started again and get it, get it rolling and, and, and then start to figure out, okay, then this means this, this means this amount of money. 
this amount of money lost, owners, uh, players, how does that affect the cap? Yeah, so, I mean, those guys are good. That's what they do for a living. They'll figure that out quickly. And then, of course, you know, it affects the escrow. It affects everything and everybody on down the line. But uh, having said that, you know, it's, it's really remarkable what, you know, so many guys around the league have, have done and come forward and are helping to pay for arena staff and, you know, contributing uh, huge, you know, portions uh, of their big portions of their salary, you know, to, to help uh, arena staff that are losing, you know, the hourly wage and people that are really frightened. Um, uh, I think it's terrific in, in, in all the sports. And so, you know, the necessary thing for for all of us and that needs to be figured out but i think you know when you see guys you know step back and say we got to help we got to help other people who are in much dire situations than we are um i think that's a real refreshing thing and this other stuff we're talking about will get figured out pretty quickly once you know they drop the puck uh, whenever that is all right, Brian, I uh, can't thank you enough for your time, uh, although we all have plenty of it on our hands uh, right about now. Uh, continued vigilance, uh, be healthy, be safe, and hopefully we'll talk again soon, uh, hopefully about hockey on the ice uh, and not all these yeah. these uh, variables and unknowns that we're dealing with right now. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. No problem, guys. Thanks, uh, thanks for having me. We'll all keep our fingers crossed. You guys and everybody uh, listening, uh, stay safe out there, and let's do the right thing so we can get this hopefully under control sooner than later. All right. Thanks, Brian. Thanks, Brian. Okay, guys. All right, Greg, any, uh, any thoughts uh, on what we just heard before we uh, sign off for the day? I think just continue to practice what you've been practicing, and hopefully – Everybody does the the self checks and make sure that you know you're distancing yourself. Kind of put yourself in a, a situation you need to be successful. Hopefully, other people are doing that, and by doing that, hopefully things become a little bit more normal sooner rather than later. Yeah, and before we do, I want to I want to address this question from Stephanie. Um, if a national quarantine goes into effect and we're not there yet, do you see any chance this season will re even return? If they don't restart, will the award the cup to the Bruins? I've seen on Twitter, based on rules of the season ended, it would be awarded to the first-place team. Um, the national quarantine, that is such a, uh, a heavy question to kind of deal with but because we don't know the answer. I don't think anybody knows the answer to what that might look like if we all have to go into uh, a situation like Italy is and, and Spain is doing as well, what it would look like here. Uh, again, everything is about flattening the curve here, right? Like, that's the phrase you've heard a lot. That's why the social distancing, the other situation we've talked about a lot, is so important to stop this thing from spreading so fast uh, and not inundate the healthcare system uh, with all of things. So that is the biggest thing uh, in this situation. As far as the cup, there is a provision in the rules that says that they can award a cup to the team that's first place. I don't see that happening here. I, I, if, if for some reason they don't come back, I mean, I think they would just vacate just as they did in 1919 when they, the Spanish influenza was out. I don't think, Greg. Were you around were, then? Uh, no, but I think Chief was. We'll have to talk to Chief about that um, <laughs> when, when we get him on at some point. Um, but I, I, don't, I don't see any scenario that even though the, the provision is there, I don't think the league would just outright award the Stanley Cup to the Boston Bruins. Do you? No, and if you're Boston, would you even accept it? Yeah, that's a good point. 
That's a I good wouldn't. Point. I, I mean, wouldn't. <laughs> yeah. I don't. I don't think I'd want it. I'd say, you know what, keep it, and you know, we'll figure it out down the road. Yeah, and I, I think it's, I don't think it's too hard to put a little asterisk on this and say season sure. not not awarded due to this. You know, I don't think it's that hard. It's it's exactly what it says in the record books from 1919. A cup not awarded because of this. Now there it wasn't quite the NHL back then. Certainly nowhere near what what it is we know right now. But um. Yeah, I, I could see that. And that's a good point by you on, on whether or not the Bruins would even accept it. Uh, they probably wouldn't. So, Yeah, and then, you know, the scoring champs, MVP, would they still do something like that, E? I mean, I think those stats would count towards your your statistics forever, but I'm not sure. Would you award? You I know, think you would. You would? I, I think you would still point out the individual achievements during gotcha. the season. There, you know, you just wouldn't have a Conn Smythe. You wouldn't have uh, a Stanley Cup champion. But I think the rest of the awards, I think they would certainly um, be awarded. I, I, I think I think you would need to. I think you, because that, if we don't play a season, that would give some closure to the season, right? If you're not going to award a Cup champion, that would kind of be the closure of the season. And, and I think you would probably maybe still go through with the awards, you know, the voting of the awards and all that stuff that the league and the NHL uh, or the PHWA does uh, as well. So, um, but again, such so many questions and not a ton of answers right now as we kind of look forward down the road. Good stuffy. All right, Greg. Uh, as always, with everybody listening, please be vigilant. Please, please be safe. Listen to your local health officials. Tell uh, what they're asking you to do. Do it for the sake of everybody. Look out for the elderly. Look out for the senior citizens, your grandparents, everybody else during this uh, unprecedented time. Uh, in human nature, really going back uh, more than a century that we've had to deal with something like this. So, uh, Greg, we'll talk with you again tomorrow. Uh, we'll have another show for everybody. Again, we're going to kind of have to do this Monday through Friday. And it's uh, it's a trap that we want everybody to fall into because we want you to listen to us here <laughs> on Lightning Power Play. All right, for Greg Linnelli, for Connor Zelinski, as always, for making it sound good and great and everything else. Stay safe, everybody. Stay healthy. We'll be back with you tomorrow. So until then. Bye-bye, everybody. That was good. Good stuff.